right, everyone. Episode 19 of Beers, Business, and Balls. Wednesday, August 26th. As always, Beers, Business, and Balls is presented by Anchor. Easiest way to make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And brought to you in part by our friends at Dugout Creative. Newest entry into the concept merch market for the best new baseball jerseys, shirts, and hats on the market. Go to dugoutcreative.com and the pot gets sweeter, folks. Use the code BBBPOD for 15% off your purchase. These guys are killing it over there. They started a new fundraiser for the Mamba on 3 Fund, benefiting Kobe Bryant and his family, of course. Really cool shirts. Got the, the Mambas on them, purple and yellow. Um, we've got Tondo repping the Bronx jersey, or the shirt, I should say, right now. You guys have been flowing the business for them this week, folks. We, we saw the numbers. There were a lot of sales. There were. So you guys that were listening, thank you uh, for supporting our partner and thank you also for just getting the, the merch out there. It, it's really cool merch. Uh, if you don't know what it is, we'll, we'll post a little bit. I know we'll post it a little bit on the blog too. Um, that's dugoutcreative.com. We're going to get to do a lot more work with them in the future, hopefully. Jake Zimmer alongside Will Tondo, episode 19. We're... <laughs> I looked at the uh, the date when I was writing this agenda up. It is August 26th. The next Fucking episode crazy. that we put out, it's going to be September. Crazy. I hate that. I hate that so much. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, the summer flew by. The summer summer flew by. I mean, it was a great summer overall. And, like, fortunately, you know, things started calming down in some aspects so we can at least enjoy it. But let's just hope that there's some more positivity and, and things turn return to some kind of normalcy this fall and things don't spike up. Yeah. Fucking crazy. I agree. agree. Um, it's been a wild summer. It's been a good one though. We've, uh, we've tried to deliver to you folks, the best guests and content that we could find. Of course, we've got another phenomenal one this week. It's our friend, Jeff Goodman over at stadium. The name sounds familiar. All you college basketball buffs probably followed Goodman on Twitter. Um, he's over at Stadium now. He does a lot of work with the Big East. Uh, good friend of Ed Cooley. Um, so former naturally, ESPN, former ESPN employee. Yeah, yep. He was uh, the guy at ESPN for a long time with guys like Andy Katz and everyone. I mean, Goodman is an OG college basketball name. Um, excited for our conversation with him, obviously. Um, so this is good stuff. We, we talked to him later on in the show. Uh, we are just going to go for it again. Beers, business, balls. We'll dive in a little bit on each one. First things first, let's do a quick cheers. We are cheers. We are cheersing Will Tondo to the S&P 500, which we will <laughs> talk about later on. Um, S&P, man, cheers with a, a fresh, cold craft beer. What are you drinking today? Yeah, so we're going to cheers to the S&P 500. Stonks can only go up, and let's hope it continues that way as quarter three comes to a close. Um, I am drinking a beer that my girlfriend gave me when she visited her sister in Colorado, Pikes Peak Brewing Company. Um, so I love being able to try different beers, uh, local craft beers around the country. And this is Ocean of the Clouds, Hazy IPA. It's a 6% alcohol volume, which, you know, for having a hazy IPA, you would think that's low. I was thinking that as well until I realized, you know, they're on top of a fucking mountain. 
Like their <laughs> elevations is so high that, you know, you have a couple of these and you're going to be rocked. So, but it's a very smooth, juicy IPA, uh, New England's New England style for out West, which was very interesting. I, you know, wanted to really critique it because if you're going to say New England, it better be, it better be good, but it has the color. I mean, oh, that's very nice. great color. It's got that flavor. It hits you right when you put your lips on it. Um, even after traveling in an airplane, it still was very, very good. And I'm going to give it a three, seven, five. Uh, nice. I have a, I have a six pack that I'm willing to share and, uh, I'm enjoying it a lot so far. I will be drinking some of that this weekend, uh, for sure. Um, yeah, you make a great point about how the elevation is so screwed up out there and you get really, <laughs> I think, uh, in Utah, the laws are twofold, right? It's, you can't have a beer over four and a half or 5% in certain parts of the state because number one, the elevation, but number two, the Mormon, Mormon. laws just haven't yeah. caught up, Yeah, which I think is hilarious. But at the same time, it's like, no, we're not getting rid of these laws because of the elevation, but it's just grandfathered from the Mormon days. It's crazy. Correct. But no, going back to Utah, um, not only because of the Mormon laws with the alcohol percentage, but like you can only get X amount of beers or uh, just cocktails in general, because right. not only the laws, but you're going to get fucked up being at that high elevation. So it's interesting to see the uh, different aspects of alcohol and beverage drinking across the country. Yeah. And so that, that's really cool. I, I need to, I've only had a couple of beers from out there. Uh, I've like drank at the Salt Lake city airport and that's really about it. But <laughs> Got to get out to Denver. Uh, the ideal thing for us would be to do a live show in Denver. I, I think I'd quit. Oh, I wouldn't do this sick. again. <laughs> if we just went around on a big brewery tour in Denver, that would be so dope. Um, but instead, I take you to Miami. I take you to the 305 with my selection here. Smooth Beats Miami, it's called, from our friends over at Finback Brewery. Uh, it's a collab with Jay Wakefield. I'm not sure exactly where that is. I can probably tell you in a couple of seconds here. American IPA. I had this at uh, Chomp in Providence on the east side with my good friend Zach on Saturday. This was very good, and Jay Wakefield is in Miami. Um, it was very good. It caught my eye when uh, it was a coconut-brewed American IPA, so I said, screw it. Smooth Beats Miami is probably a a representative name of what's going on here. And it nailed it, nailed it. It felt like not overly aggressive and hoppy. Um, even though I like that style, it was like the perfect beer for a late summer day when you're expecting it to be like 80, 85, but it's 90. It was so refreshing. So good. Equinox hops, El Dorado hops. Um, I mean, my God, it's creme de la creme. It is some really good shit. I gave it a four two five. Damn, what I was did. The name of that one again? It was Smooth Beats Miami. It was delicious. I thought it was a, a great color. Um, poured really nice off the tap, man. My God, Finback does it again. They I mean, really do. Yeah, Finback, Finback is the Finback prime. Is another one that always is consistently making great beer. You arguably can't beat Finback in New York. There's only a few breweries that stack up with Finback. Um, on the, the macro level in New York, no question about it. I think industrial arts, you, you know, mm -hmm. consider someone up there. I, I mean, I could list them, but Finback is, is top five easily in New York. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. So 
I will be trying to drink more Finback as we go on, especially into you know the, the end of summer. Um, almost Oktoberfest time, folks. It's almost going to be lager and pumpkin beer time. Uh, I I can't wait. <laughs> that's that's what I'm looking forward to. All oh, these yeah. people are out here like, oh, the pumpkin spice lattes and all this stuff. Screw that. Give me a cinnamon rimmed pumpkin lager, man. <sighs> Nothing no, like and it. Speaking of that, because we were talking about that a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, Jake and I are both very familiar and avid users of Untapped, and we were talking about, you know, just our beer average. And we mentioned on this show, you know, we're on our 19th episode and we've averaged, we've rated a lot of beers and we try to pick beers that are more top heavy in the score, you know, anywhere from a three, seven, five to a four, five and, and, and up out of the untapped scale, because we just want to provide the best content, but we're also very picky on our ratings. And I've only had three beers that I've rated a five in my entire time using untapped. Ice Cream Man from Back East, which I've mentioned. Um, I believe it was one of the greens um, from Treehouse. Yeah. And the third one was a brewery in Rhode Island. That was Crooked Current. Yeah, that's, that's Crooked Current. Crooked yep. Current. And it was a pumpkin maple beer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it came out like the color of syrup, but like the thick haziness of a juicy IPA. And I was so impressed i was like that beer is fucking great yeah that beer is great yes it, it so was i'm excited for that and i'm excited for the Oktoberfest too those will be good can't wait for german beer i wish i was in munich of course in september but that shit ain't happening um maybe we'll do that at some point too beers business and balls takes Oktoberfest. god help <laughs> us all but i don't know if we'd come back alive no that, yeah, we'd probably just have to cut it off there and pass the race down. Oh, God, we can only hope. Um, we'll hop into business, and then we'll go into balls, and then we'll talk to Jeff. Um, business, a couple of things. We sat here and talked about how Royal Caribbean was probably going to be the stock of the week for how well that they had generated demand over the past weeks. They said it was unprecedented demand in 2021 for traveling. And now you've got American Airlines coming out and saying, well, hold my beer. 19,000 jobs by October 1st. And they cite weak travel demand. Experts say it won't rebound for years. What gives? Uh, I mean, we see such conflicting evidence across the board on hospitality companies. Some of them are saying they have great demand. Others are saying they're not. American Airlines gets a chopping block today with 19,000 jobs. Yeah, not a good look. I mean, you definitely saw a lot of, a lot of panic selling in the airline industry uh, today because of that news. And American Airlines is obviously a very large uh, airline in general. But to have them, you know, cutting the jobs is one thing. Every company is structured differently and everyone has their woes and their, you know, financial issues. But the fact that they're saying, you know, the travel demand is going to be impacted for years to come. I was going to say a year to come, you know, looking that people are going to try to bounce back in 2021, but that's a, that's a very scary sight, especially in the tourism industry as a whole. Yeah, I mean, that's also extremely optimistic uh, of a lens you have there because it could be a year that people that like 
travel returns to normal, yeah. meaning the experience. But I mean, my God, I kind no, of agree I mean, with I it. honestly thought, I honestly thought that the travel experience would be latter, would be that would would not come back to normalcy for years to come. I thought people were just wanted to get out of the fucking house, and now that they have more, um, you know, a lot of let's say like more income, even though that's not really the case, but between just like not spending as much and not traveling as much and stimulus bills and additional uh, revenue streams that people have the money and have been cooped up in the house for, you know, months to a year that they just want to get out of the house and travel. But I think that's good. I feel like you're going to be wearing a mask on a plane for the rest of your life. Yeah, it could be. The thing is, I think the data is now showing that um, a lot of the people that weren't traveling before, like it's just the young people that feel that way now. They feel cooped up. They want to go. It hasn't caught up to those, you know, 50 to 70 year old adults. They don't want to go anywhere still. And I can't really say I blame them, but I mean, this is, this isn't good. It's not good for travel. And I think naturally you probably get, and we'd have to look at the demographics of course, but on cruise lines, you probably have more younger people than, you know, just that are in general going to go on a cruise than going on a plane to vacation somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. I think if you go on a cruise, it's generally with your family or your significant other or something like that. And, you know, usually to make a broad generalization, I think people are just younger on cruises than they are on, on planes. So maybe that's why that's could be one explanation. I, I really have no idea. Definitely something to keep an eye out. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's all I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> Travel folks, the unending paradox um, in to shift over to uh, we, we've got one big thing, but let's go. Uh, let's stay on this stock trend here. Um, this is from CNBC. We've got major changes coming to the Dow Jones um, three for three swap pretty much on the uh, on the index salesforce amgen and honeywell all hopping into the dow jones uh the dow will remove exxon mobile um pfizer and raytheon so changes are going into effect um on monday the 31st of august and I looked into this a lot. I couldn't figure out why they would do this, um, but I found out that, and this is from CNBC, quote unquote, the shakeup was prompted by Apple's decision to enact the four for one stock split, which we talked about um, Mm -hmm. a while ago, which would significantly reduce the benchmarks exposure to the IT sector. So basically Dow Jones is, they're beefing up a little bit. (laughs) They're like, what tech stocks can we get to, um, to try to replace some of the, the slower growth stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, you look at Raytheon, they're, they're a, not a bad stock to own. All of these aren't really bad stocks to own with Exxon no, and Pfizer and no. all this stuff, but they're making a bet on companies like Salesforce because they kind of have to. I mean, Salesforce is a big aspect of they're this. They're a titan. They are of a this, titan. Of this exp- yes. they, they were in the past, like not, you know, they were pre COVID. They were definitely a, uh, up and coming entity, but you know, everyone's going to need to strengthen that even more post coronavirus or during this pandemic. And another one that, you know, had a great year was Honeywell, Honeywell, Mm -hmm. which does a lot of production in Rhode Island. uh, They were produced. They, you know, they do like the Honeywell thermostats and a lot of different um, building controls, 
yeah, a lot of different controls and stuff. So not only from like the home sec, the homeowner sector, when everyone was, you know, renovating houses because they were stuck inside and they were doing a lot of production, but they also shifted their forces to do just help frontline workers and were producing masks and they were producing uh, ventilators. They were doing all this kind of stuff. So and not to mention they're leading the way in contact tracing too. Yeah. Cause exactly. you know, don't forget Gina Raimondo, governor of Rhode Island calls up Mark Benioff and says, what can you do for me, man? Yeah. Like, how can you help me out? And he goes, all right, cool. I'll throw something together. Crazy, crazy. So, I, I mean, this sounds very good for Dow. I think they have oh, had screwed on and it's probably for the best. They might see a little bit of dip to start, you know, like, oh shit, it's been a week and they haven't been performing. It's, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, if they're looking through the lens of like long-term shareholder wealth maximization, that's the best thing that Dow could have done. They'll piss off the three companies, but whatever. Exxon's not going anywhere. Pfizer's not going anywhere. Raytheon, they're going straight up too. It's slower growth, yeah. but I mean, they, they have to double down for Apple. It'll slightly impact them, but in the long run, it won't. No, for sure. Um, stock so of the week. And then we've got, oh yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say also regarding a um, uh, stock in the right direction. And we called it Tesla. Tesla. Yeah. They hit the 2000. Of course they did. They, before, quarter th- before the end of quarter three. Do I just sell like all everything I own and buy Tesla and buy it at buy nicer shit? I don't know. I'm telling you, like I said that a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, I was like, you know what? Like I'm happy with my portfolio and I'm, and I'm having a lot of net positives, but do I just buy like two or three shares of Tesla and call it a fucking day when they were at you might like, make more money. Well, yeah, but when they were, when they were, <laughs> that's when they were at like, 12 1300 a share and i was like ah you know like i'd rather be diverse and not just put all my eggs in one basket but <laughs> now they're fucking 2000 you would have doubled it we all would have i know but there's what is absolutely nuts and i can't believe i'm about to say this there's still time there's mm-hmm. still time because battery day is coming right around the corner and as long as elon doesn't you know put his blunt smoke out on it like everyone's good it's gonna skyrocket up and they might hit 3000 but that's what i'm gonna say are we are we going to put the wager right here? Will Tesla hit 3000 before uh, December 31st, 2020? Does the winner get a Tesla stock? <laughs> the loser <laughs> has to buy the winner at Tesla stock. <laughs> Whatever price it's at. I can't agree to that. I'm, I'm, there's no shot I'm doing that. My bet right now, though, is yes. I think I they do it by the end yes of Q3. Too. Battery day is scheduled for as long as it happens. If... Battery day happens when it's supposed to in September. They are going to hit 3000 before the end of Q3. That, that is, I, I will. Yeah. Yeah. My credibility is on the line here, folks. I, I'm willing to do that. <sighs> Fucking I think it's going to happen. So battery yeah. day is when they go in and they show the uh, technology being made and all the shareholders are invited to it. So you can yeah. go virtually on, you know, zoom or WebEx or whatever they're doing. And, um, the you know basically the tesla guys it's exactly what it sounds like they take you around the facility they show you what they're doing and they explain to you why their batteries are better than the typical you know pure lead uh vrla all that good stuff right um it this should be good because it's going to open up the consumer's eyes and be like oh shit yeah they're they're doing really well let me invest a little more and double down or no i'm out Mm -hmm. right this is going to be fun we're yeah. going to revisit this episode and be like, you fucking morons, or you guys are geniuses. 
<laughs> so I couldn't tell you which one it is, though. Um, we talked about the Dow. Let's talk about S&P. They are the stock of the week, folks. We talked about them last episode. They finally hit their all-time high. 3400 bucks. Unbelievable. $3,400. Uh, S&P has now hit... I'm going to look this up. Um, they were flirting with their all-time high for a while. It was uh, – yeah, they got close. They got real close as the weeks went on. They got up to 32.35. They got on to, uh, you know, up into the 33s, 34.43. That's what we're at. It's incredible. It really is. So good for them. Stock of the week, folks. There's still time on S&P. Oh, man. Oh, man. So much money in this world. And going on top of that, I mean, Jeff Bezos is Bezos is the first person to be worth $200 billion. All right. Yeah, that's going to be it, – it's a race to a trillion for him too. We won't make any predictions on that yet though. No. That'll happen. Um, before th- – this is kind of a proxy business thing before we go into balls real quick. Uh, KFC, when you think of Kentucky Fried Chicken, folks – you think of it's figure looking good and you think of uh, what the hell is his name? Colonel Sanders, right? <laughs> they are ditching it. They're ditching. It's finger looking good because out of all things, they don't want you to lick in your fingers. They said it is quote unquote inappropriate right now. And they said after that, they're not parting ways with it, but they're just pausing it. Um, is this the right call or is this hilarious or is it both? I think it's funny because it gives them attention. It was kind of like when IHOP turned to IHOB. Yeah, International House of Burgers. And then, like, switched back. And, like, it cost them money, but it gave them so much attention. It's a good marketing scheme. And, I mean, like, it's trending now. When's the last time KFC trended? It's been a long time. You know, and they were questionable that it was like horse meat with Taco Bell. Like, ah. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. You know, so like, I think it's funny. It's, it's funny marketing. I think so too, but I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm going with the hilarious bucket. Yeah. All right, and on to balls, folks. Uh, playoff sports, and I say that with air quotes, playoffs, right? We talked about this a ton over the past couple of weeks. Is it really a playoff? I, whatever. They're happening now, which is good. I, I'm very grateful, let me be clear, that sports are happening and that there is a playoff in basketball and hockey. So we're good. That, that's fine. Um, I have personally loved watching the NBA uh, at this point. I've loved listening to our boy Tim Sinclair, which shout out to Tim Sinclair. He's a new PA announcer with the Chicago Bears. Good stuff. That's dope. That's sick. That baller, is and he is a Beers Business and Balls alumni before he had that gig, let it be clear. A um, couple of storylines for you in the NBA. Um, this has been – a lot of decent stuff has been playing out too, I think more than really anyone thought at this point. LeBron and his dream team, right, his perfect duo in AD um, and Alex Caruso and Kyle Kuzma. Who doesn't want those guys on their team, right? But they're facing off against a – red-hot Blazers team that were coming into the playoffs. I say that now as the Lakers are up 3-1. Um, it's been so fun to watch Damian Lillard 
everybody else on that team has been pretty good, uh, you know, but the Lakers have had their number this entire time. So um, I was listening to some show the other day. I forgot what it was. Um, LeBron and AD, if they don't, if he doesn't win like the championship or get to the championship at the very least is LeBron. Like, what is he, what is he doing? Like, what does he have to do? This season is one of those things that we've mentioned in the past that like whatever team comes in hot is going to win. Yeah. And you know, I thought if the Suns got in, I thought they, you know, they could have had a chance to upset the Lakers. And, you know, as I'm sitting here right now, we're recording and, you know, the Clippers are tied, are tied the series with the Mavs right now. Like the Mavs are a team that Luke and Porzingis can like fucking pull some magic, but yeah, it all depends who's hot. It'll be interesting to see what the Lakers do because you, you mentioned this dream team. I find this team is literally like a kid playing 2K. Because I was looking at the <laughs> roster, right? You know, besides LeBron and AD, you have Jafel McGee, yeah, um, Dwight Howard, Ugh. Marcus Morris, uh, Danny Green, J.R. Smith, uh, KCP. I think it's so funny that Jr. Rajon Rondo. Yeah, Rondo's there. People you know, like the Rondo's there. That is like that is literally like the definition of like in the you know, I'll say, like, early 2010s, like, a fantasy basketball team. Like, someone probably had a fantasy basketball team of, like, LeBron's Miami Heat, (laughs) like, the Knicks' J.R. Smith. An early Pelicans AD. AD on the Pelicans. I think it's just (laughs) funny. But I think think the Lakers are fine. Um, I don't really see them having an issue throughout the playoffs. it's, I mean, for them, it's, it's, it's championship or bust. Yeah, it has to be because he's LeBron and he's the greatest player in the game, so they say, right? Yeah. It's nuts. So buckle up your seatbelts in the NBA. I think the, the Blazers aren't going down easy, though. I think they might win another game. They could. Dame Possibly, just yeah. off again. But, I mean, yesterday was they wore on 8-24 on Mamba Day – they wore the Mamba jerseys, and the Lakers led the game twenty-four to eight. That was just fate, you know. Yeah, that just, <laughs> that's just that. That is that is just fate. There's Keep your lot. eyes on it. Uh, we have three sweeps in the Eastern Conference as well. Mm-hmm. That was pretty interesting. The Heat, Raptors, and Celtics all swept their opponents. So the Heat swept the Pacers. Raptors swept the Nets. Seas swept the Sixers. This is another weird one because it's like, you know, the original question that I had was, can they make a run? But they're all playing each other at this point. <laughs> like, they're all going to have to run into each other. It's Boston and Toronto. Toronto's not going to go down easy. Um, Miami will probably end up playing the Bucks, which that's no slouch. I mean, but my <laughs> Giannis keeps getting warned by all these guys, like on the Pacers and stuff, um, that the Heat are legit. So I think we might see some, some bloodbaths in the Eastern Conference. There was a lot of takeaways from those three sweeps. Um, one being, well, I'll just list them out. The Celtics are a team that, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are players to watch in the future just to kick ass. Yeah. Like that team is going to be a good team. Like, you know, you never, you would think when they had Kyrie Irving or when they first signed Gordon Hayward or, you know, having Al Horford or having Isaiah Thomas that they needed some big name. Well, those are the guys. Those guys are the big names now. 
Like they just need a, a, a deep bench and they can make a run. Um, it also shows that the 76ers are, they need to restart. I mean, they well, just they, fired, they did. They yeah. just fired their head coach, but are, and you know, the GM Elton brand just came out saying, we're not going to trade Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. We're going to get more pieces around them. I don't know how, when you're paying fucking Al Horford and Tobias Harris, like big money four or five year contracts. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, like you mentioned, the Heat are a team to not fuck around with. They're serious. They are. Yep. They're they're bowlers. Um, the Pacers are going to need a big name player to add on to that roster if they're going to want to contend. And the Nets, I mean, the Nets is not. It's going to be a different story next year when they have Katie and Kyrie at full. Yeah. Health. Oh yeah. Um, and you know Lavert and Dinwiddie and Jared Allen. So I'm not worried about them. And the Raptors, I think, are the team that are going to come out of the East and go to the championship for back to back. I don't think they'll. Win, I don't think they'll win the championship, but they'll they'll come out of the East. Well, that leads us into talking about the Bucks too, because realistically, the Bucks are standing in their way. Um, yeah. The Bucks are the one seed in the NBA. They have now the Defensive Player of the Year as of Tuesday, as Giannis Antetokounmpo wins the title you got a potential guy that could even be the MVP next after winning defensive player of the year. Um, why don't the Bucks have it in them to beat the Raptors? And that's tough to know. say, but I don't know. You know, it, it, is it just have... a case of like, are the Raptors going to get hot against them and the Bucks won't like, are, are the Raptors more well positioned to do that i'm not sure i'm on board with your take so i I'm, I'm curious to hear why why the raptors are your team going back i think the raptors are better coached i think nick nurse is a better coach and a better coach of the year maker um yes coach of the year i think that they are you know although Giannis is the best player in the east arguably one of the best players in the league i think when you go to head-to-head looking at the roster the Raptors still have the, the advantage. Yeah. And not to say the Bucks don't have a talented cast, but I just think that in a seven-game series that the, the Raptors come out in seven. Okay. I, um, I, I can't dispute it. Um, NBA, yeah, that's going to be real good the rest, of the, uh, the rest of the way out. And then we have the NHL, which is hot right now. And I have a quick yep. note from uh, our – in-house hockey analyst Chris Hanold, who put up a blog to definitely check out. Um, hockey's in full swing. You know, playoffs are going great. One team I want to highlight, not because they're, you know, the team that I align myself to, <laughs> but the Islanders are hot and they're causing a lot of ruckus. I mean, they just beat the Caps, who then, in a corresponding move, fired their head coach, Todd, uh, Todd Reardon. Yeah. And then they just took up took uh, the first game of the series against the Flyers for nothing. And the Flyers are the first, are the number one ranked team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had the Flyers against the Islanders. We have the Lightning versus Boston, which is going to be a great one, despite Boston losing Tuca. Uh, that that's still be a competitive one. We have the Golden Knights and the Canucks over in the other side of the league, and then the Avalanche versus the Stars. So, a lot of great hockey corresponding with baseball too. I mean, uh, basketball too. So, I'm excited for these playoff sports. It's all going to be good. And again, it's sports and it's playoffs. Call it whatever you want, but sports are back and they're on your TV. That's the bottom line. 
Um, to transition now, let's go to baseball real quick. We've got a couple of topics. We, we've got three more here that we'll um, you know touch on briefly before we get into the, our interview with Jeff. Um, Mike Trout's rookie card from 2009 has just sold for $3.84 million, which is now officially the most expensive trading card in sports history. Absolutely slash because all you're probably like, what? What about that Honus Wagner card from 1909? Three point one million. Slash. It was less. It was less four years ago. Um, so the Trout rookie card is now what's going. Um, are we going to see this be eclipsed in the next few years? My take is no. I don't think we are going to see a card sell higher for a long time than Mike Trout's rookie card. Are you um, saying baseball or all sports? I'm saying all sports. Baseball cards are by far the most valuable uh, of any of any trading card of any sport. Baseball, I mean, there's a few things you chalk it up to. It's a historical value um, and all this stuff, right? So, I mean, it's it, baseball cards are unquestionably the most lucrative trading card to have, right? Um, based on the, the data you've seen in the past. It was the Wagner card and it was a bunch of other baseball cards before, right? So I don't know. I think the only way it'll be eclipsed is if Mike Trout wins a World Series and that rookie card sells again. Yeah, if there's another card out there, I guess. You know, maybe he throws a signature on it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because again, what more can Mike Trout do in terms of just personal player development? I mean, the guy has his handful of MVPs and his incredible war and stuff. But if the team's not winning, he's not pulling home a world series uh, trophy in the MVP, then I mean, not to say it's a waste of a career and a waste of talent, but it kind of is. Yeah. But what exactly, what did he accomplish? You know, you know, what did he accomplish? And like, I, although we're Yankee fans and we both love this, but we do both love the sport greatly. Like I want to see my child win one. I do. You know, I want to see him win one in pinstripes, but <laughs> I mean that'd be incredible. He ain't doing that. No, no. But I mean, Mike Trout does deserve at least a shot, and it sucks that the Angels can't, you know, can't give it to him even this year. Yep, I know they they can't do it, and it, maybe they will eventually, but it's not going to be this year. Um, so, bottom line is. I don't think it's getting eclipsed 3.84 million anytime soon. I think you might see it in the next 10 years if Trout gets a ring. That's it. And then that yeah. card sells again. Fair enough. NFL news now. We've got training camp in full swing. Everyone's padding up. They're playing full football. And all of a sudden, Earl Thomas, who has gotten himself into a lot of trouble, this offseason, is now out in Baltimore after he punches his own teammate. Where, Where's he going to end up? This, here's my beef with this whole thing. The Cowboys or the Patriots are going to come right along and say, oh, yeah, sure, we can do this shit. Why not? Play safety mm-hmm. for us, right? Do whatever. If you're going to make our team better. Why? Why? Why does he continue to piss off everybody that he is teammates with or – all of his coaches and get shot after shot after shot after shot. Someone needs to make a statement and either a not pay him anywhere close to what he was getting or B just don't sign him at all. Why not? Why not? The guy made $22 million for one season with the Ravens. And I, 
don't blame the Ravens whatsoever for cutting him. I mean, that just stuff is just – He punched a player, of course. Especially, especially after – the Ravens had such a good year. Obviously, they didn't equate to a, a Super Bowl run, but they have such a talented roster. And Earl Thomas is, you know, he won a Super Bowl with Seattle. He's a, one of the top safeties in the league. He should be a veteran leader. That shit's just inexcusable. So I don't blame the Ravens for doing that. You know, the, you mentioned the Cowboys and the Patriots uh, signing him. I see those as possibilities. I mean, the Cowboys, that whole situation got weird because, um, you know, Rappaport put out a report and then Jerry Jones says, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, we're not out. We're in, but we're also out. It was just whole weird. The Patriots, I mean, they could sign him, but if they're going to tank, what's, what's the point of signing him? Um, couple possible things, possible places that I see him going. Uh, I think the Chiefs could sign him because, you know, for some reason the Chiefs have just unlimited money. Um, I see the 49ers also signing him too. Pair him up back with Richard Sherman. Are they tight? Are they still, like, close? I think they're cordial, you know. Would would they, like, kill each other if they were on the same team is the question. Mm, Probably. I I don't know. But a team that I would put my money on is the Browns. Oh, you know, Jesus Christ. Well, listen, they just lost their rookie, um, the safety grant, to a season-ending Achilles injury. They are another team that is you know, building this talented roster and have nothing to show for it. If they want to make the playoffs, they're going to need to fortify – a stronger defense and culture or not, they'll make pieces fit. And if they don't fit, they just want the talent. I think the Browns sign Earl Thomas. I taking him also taking him away from an AFC rival, a division rival. Okay. I, I weirdly see it. I don't know that it happens. So I don't think the Browns have the stones for it. (laughs) You never know. You don't ever know. Cause who would have thought Cam Newton ends up on the Patriots? That's, exactly. that's for <laughs> this NFL free agency has just been so weird. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see where that goes. There's and still we, a lot of free agents still on the board. Yeah, I know. Davian yep. Clowney and Logan Ryan are still available. That's nuts. Clowney was one of the best last year at his position. Yeah. It's like Yasiel Puig still not having a home <laughs> baseball. True. <laughs> True. Um, it, shifting to soccer before we um, go over to our interview with Goodman. The, the only soccer we really ever talk here is the big soccer. I don't think we've talked soccer at all, honestly, until now. Um, Leo Messi is out at Barcelona. He has informed FC Barca that he is no longer interested in playing for them. And after pretty much his whole career – with Barca and the Argentine national team, he's done. He's just given it up. Um, this has been long coming, many say, and we probably have to talk to some soccer experts uh, like our friend Matt Gosselin or Kush or whoever, right? But um, they got slaughtered. It was an 8-2 uh, – oh, my God. The adjectives we were using to describe that loss before we got on here, bad. Um, and it was the Bayern Munich right? Good. Always has had a good team and one of the best in the German league, but um, 
the reaction after 8-2 on a team that should have not only beat them, but at least kept it competitive. You have Gerard Piquet, who has also been a, a Barca staple. He's Same old, the, He's very old, yeah. And he comes out and says they've hit rock bottom. God bless PK too, because he's uh, – I think he's still married to Shakira. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, this is very significant news in – soccer across the world not only just spain when you have arguably what some say is the best player to put on any uniform in spain um let alone the entire nation let alone the entire world this is big this is big stuff i mean for those that like again i understand soccer and follow soccer i'm not the biggest soccer fan whatsoever but i do appreciate the sport and i appreciate um you know the st- the 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 business side of it, you know, the building teams and the different transfer windows and stuff. Messi leaving is like the equivalent for us, Derek Jeter leaving the Yankees. Yeah. Yes, it is. And even bigger. I mean, that's like Kobe leaving the Lakers. Uh, it, 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 when, I mean, to even put another aspect of it, like when Tom Brady just left the Patriots, he'll never leave the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Well, now he's on a new team. Where will Lionel Messi end up? You know, who the fuck knows? Well, they say it's Man City right now. They say he's re- there, that he's reached out to Pep Guardiola. Um, the the rumor comes out that Juve would be interested. Of course, they're dipping. Now, I'm, I'm, I like Juve a lot. They're my team in Italy, but they're dipping their dirty hands everywhere. Juve's another team that's got question marks, right? They have the best – they have the other best player in the league – in the world, I should say, right? They have – Ronaldo and you pair him up with Messi they're old but they'd be paying a lot of money for production that just simply wouldn't exist at that point even though they're still the two best players right now you know PSG is another team that could you know throw their name in the hat pairing, up, money. pairing them up with Neymar mm-hmm. that picture we posted on our Instagram uh, on Tuesday <laughs> when I think it was somebody had said New York Yankees for the team that he ends up. And then I posted, uh, you know, a picture of Neymar, Messi, and Ronaldo all watching a baseball game in America. That's sick. They're Messi's a big Yankee guy. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he ends up in the Bronx. Maybe, maybe he just says, screw it and goes, I'm going to play the MLS. I'm going to play Dude. for NYCFC. <laughs> I mean, Messi is obviously. They would kill him. The Argentines would kill him. Creme de la creme. I mean, we've seen it in the past with the MLS. You've had major name players come over from Europe to the American League. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Davidia, Wayne Rooney, um, Schweinsteiger. I love Schweinsteiger. Irolo, Frank Lampard. I mean, those are obviously some of the best players that ever walked in Europe. Definitely, I wouldn't say, you know, a Messi or, or a Cristiano, but still very, very talented players and came to the LMS and absolutely dominated because American soccer is just not there yet. I mean, if Messi came to America, that'd be fucking sick. That would just what like, if he did, though? What if he just said, sick. screw it, I'm going to America? Well, how old is he now? Old. Uh, probably, uh, dude, I don't know. I, I'll tell you in a couple seconds. Ready? He is, you want to guess? 34. He's okay. He's not as old as I thought he was. He's 33. Okay. Yeah. Those so guys he's still all, got like 10 years in it. Maybe yeah, like those five guys, or six. But. Those guys all came in their 40s. And yeah. absolutely fucking destroyed the league beating up on 20 year olds. 
what if should I piss Twitter off again and write an article that says that Messi Messi should go play for NYCFC? Yes, please. <laughs> I expect that tonight. Oh God, no, don't count on it. Um, I don't have nearly enough soccer knowledge for that. Um, this is something I, I'm going to be following a lot because he realistically, you know, he'll end up on a team like Man City or PSG or anywhere in the EPL. I'm sh- sure Probably, he would have yeah. no problem going to. Um, I don't. I wouldn't hate him going to the Italian league. Um, I'm worried about Juve now though. They got a lot of guys that, you know, jump ship or transferred or whatever. So maybe come he does to, fill a hole. I don't know. Come to Sevilla. Come to Sevilla. That is a place that he is not going. Come to Sevilla. <laughs> He's done with the uh, La Liga for, for a bit, I would assume. And if he did like, he just, the thing about in Spain, like he's not going to the team in Spain. There's no, no shot. It's like, I got to make my mark on, because they all, like, grew all the Sevilla people, they love him, but, like, they, whenever they're playing against him, they booed the shit out of him, you know? Whatever. And that's talking soccer. That's, that was soccer, all right. <laughs> Football fun. Uh, that is foosball fun. I like that. Um Football fun, or foosball, depending on if you've watched Waterboy with Bobby Boucher. <laughs> Let's hop into our interview. That, that about does it for us. Um, hope you stick around for this interview, folks, because you, you've got a treat with Jeff Goodman. Um, again, one of the elite college basketball minds, aside from our friend John Fanta, of course. That man is uh, is God, Fanta. Um, Goodman has done it all, really. ESPN, uh, now over at Stadium basketball insider uh the man knows college basketball like the back of his hand great dude great interview without further ado let us go to stadium basketball insider jeff goodman all right everybody on episode 19 as mentioned we have jeff goodman uh stadium basketball insider currently in massachusetts as we speak over zoom uh he's covering all things college basketball from CBS Sports to Fox to ESPN now over at Stadium. Jeff, how are we doing? What's up, guys? How are you? Everything good? Can't complain over here. Can't. I mean, we can't believe that the summer already flew by, but we're we're hanging in there. I don't know if flew by is the right term. For yeah, this we, <laughs> we, we got through it, right? Yeah. We got through it. We stumbled. We quite literally stumbled from point A to what is this now? I think the the, the whole joke on Twitter is like, all right, it's March 150th right yeah. now or something. But <laughs> literally. Yeah, it doesn't feel like we've gone very far, does it? No. No. <laughs> so, but everything's good on your end? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's as good as it can be, right? We've got NBA games. That's good. Maybe we'll get college football here in a little bit. Um, you know, the big the big thing for me is obviously, you know, I got a daughter who's a junior in, in high school is school and, and, and for kids around the country. And, you know, you see it everywhere now with, with a lot of the, the, the universities. You know, I think they were taking a lot of their money, getting them on campus, getting them in their housing, and then going online. And, uh you know, my daughter's at a, a private school around here in Massachusetts. She's a junior in high school, and, and she's going two days a week in in class. And then the other three days, she's just, like, studying at home, I guess. Like, nothing else. No remote classes or anything like that. They've kind of split it up. So, I, I think that's kind of my biggest concern is just kind of what, what all this does um, – for kids down the road like everybody's missing like a year and a half of school that that's that's not good especially for for kids that are like 
you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. Like that, that that's important at that age. Probably more important that age than it is for my daughter. Well, the plug for your daughter is is actually really good because um, she seems to be making uh, very much of a use of her time with uh, with her new Instagram endeavor. I mean, my God, the guests she's been pulling on her uh, interview series are incredible. So props to her. I think um, so that we don't screw it up. I think it's at Good Sports Media. Is that what it is on Instagram? That is true, and 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 most of the guests have been on her own. Like I've well, helped her with a few. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know, you could see a few of the college basketball guests. You know, I probably helped her with, but like Adam Schefter on her own. You know, she came down one day and she was like, "Do you know who Field Yates is? Uh, I got him <laughs> oh tomorrow." God. I'm like, "No, no, I know Field well. Like, why didn't you drop my name?" And the best part is, a lot of the people that you'll have on at the very end, she'll kind of make mention to, "Well, my dad, this. You know, my dad." I don't whatever and a couple of them have been like oh you're is your dad Jeff <laughs> like, yeah and they're like why didn't you say that earlier and I give her credit though I'd much rather her do it this way um where people aren't doing it feeling like they have to because of me or anything like that they're doing it because they want to do it and it, it it is very cool to see this you know and to watch her do it this this you know this pandemic and take advantage of some time when a lot of people a lot of kids are sitting on their ass and not doing anything at least she's she's kind of getting better socially at least that's awesome and that's a great question I mean you you mentioned how your daughter never really mentioned her dad but we want to do talk about her dad so introduce yourself to the listeners who is Jeff Goodman oh shit uh, great question, great question. I, we, I this is hard-hitting journalism man come on I know I know I knew I wanted to do this when I was like 13 guys like I interviewed James Worthy when I was 14 years old and um Went to the hotel in Boston and stocked the players. The Lakers were playing the Celtics, and I think they were they were there the day before the game and probably come back to the hotel from practice and uh, and went up to James Worthy and Michael Cooper and asked them if it was me and my buddy if we could do a um, an interview with them for our school newspaper. We didn't even do anything for the school newspaper. We we completely made it up, um, and they said yes. Call us at the hotel later. And we were, were going back on the bus back to Framingham, Massachusetts, where we lived and thinking, oh, shit, this is real. Like, we don't have any questions. We don't have a way to record it. So um, we ended up doing that. And I kind of got hooked after that and, uh, you know, started uh, started interviewing players um, when I was younger, writing stories, freelancing when I was in high school, then went to Arizona and got pretty much hooked on college hoops there. And, uh, and from there, got into basketball recruiting uh, with Scout um, and lucked out that Fox bought Scout. And I begged the editor at Fox to let me write a column once a week in 2006 for College Hoops while I was still doing all the recruiting full time. And I got paid 50 bucks a, a story uh, for that. And it turned into where I then did two years of both full time, full time recruiting, full time College Hoops and then went to, to just college hoops. Um, but yeah, just kind of uh, been really fortunate, to be honest, that for the mo most part of, of my, you know, career in terms of working professionally, other than a stint, I had a stint at Enterprise Rent-A-Car out of college that lasted about two months. And then I did uh, <laughs> public relations for a biotech firm for a couple of years. But after that, I haven't worked a day in my life. So you made a great point. You knew you wanted to do this since you were 13. When you were 13 years old, 
was what you're doing now the dream job or was what what did where did you ultimately want to get to when you were that young and finding out you had a passion for reporting and telling stories and where did you think that would take you yeah i i just didn't know i mean listen i remember meeting with somebody out of out of uh college and uh, i was getting ready to graduate from arizona and i met with somebody back in boston that ran one of the big like it was called scripps howard it was like the associated press back then and and he said to me he's like listen you're a white male you got no chance of getting in this industry now and i'm like what really and uh so like i, I just felt like even if i could make it I was going to make no money doing it. And I've never last, you know, like I do it for a couple of years, but you know, not the greatest writer. Um, I, I hadn't obviously at 13 at 15 at 20, I hadn't really reported and broken stories. So what was my niche going to be? What was I great at? I, you know, back then you're thinking all I was, was a writer, obviously and wanted to be, I never, like, I guess my dream job, if you had told me at 13 was to write for the Boston Globe covering the Boston Celtics. That was my dream job growing up in Boston. But I never thought in a million years I would work for ESPN because, again, I'm a writer. I'm not a TV person. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have the look for TV. I don't have the comfortability for TV. None of it. And, and I remember I get hired at ESPN, and the first week I'm there, Brad Stevens gets hired by the Celtics. And I knew Brad better than anybody. Better than anybody. Like I, I would attest to that as far as like national writers go. Obviously, David Woods, who covered him for the Indy Star, knew him better. But um, so I'm on. Then they said to me, they're like, I'm a weekend. They're like, all right, we need you July 5th that morning. We need you on the 9 a.m. Sports Center. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> really? Like, no, this is going to go so poorly. Like, I need time. I need time. And Right when you hear the word sports center, we all grew up, right? You grew up watching it. You're like, no, I can't. And uh, luckily, I had Janine Edwards there with me. And she actually kind of interviewed me instead of me having to do it on my own. But I think I was shaking beforehand. And, and she made it easy for me. So I didn't completely screw it up. I mean, I'm sure if I look back at the tape, and I probably should at some point try to find it, it would be funny to see how badly I sucked. Um, but at least like I pulled it off, I pulled it off. And, and uh, so it's been, it's been a cool ride for me overall to, to, you know, again, have the written platform, have a chance to do uh, TV, have a chance to do a podcast and, and more than anything, just have a chance to have a job that I'm passionate about. And, and I'm still passionate about, you know, 25 years later. Which is on the, oh, yeah, go ahead. No, all you. Um, in talking about ESPN too, right, you made a great point that you're a reporter, right? You're a writer. You, you cover stories and you break news. And then all of a sudden you get thrown onto SportsCenter and you're like, holy shit, right? What was the biggest adjustment as you went on? Because you got some more camera reps after that, a lot more being on ESPN. What was the biggest adjustment that you had to make from writing stories and putting stuff out on paper versus, you know, the on-air presence and being on a TV screen. So easy. The, the easiest thing that I learned, and, and I, I finally got it in year three. And I remember being on with Scott Van Pelt, who's a good friend of mine, and the best, the best there is, period. We love and SVP. I'm on with him, and 
sitting across from him for a segment and he screwed up multiple times, like just screwed up, you know, stumbled over words, whatever he did. And he just kind of laughed at himself and, and kept going. And I thought that night I was like, all right, cause I couldn't do that. I couldn't get past the, the, the last play. If I screwed up on the last play, it would get in my head the first couple of years. And I'd be thinking to myself, shit, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I stumbled on that. And after that, it just completely flipped with me, with me. And I just said like, if Scott Van Pelt can screw up multiple times and laugh it off and keep going, that's what I'm going to do from here on out. If he's that good, well, obviously I'm going to screw up. And, and after that, it was just like a different me of almost like, I don't give a shit. That, that, I think that's how you got to take it to some degree. I'm still not great on camera, but you know what I am? I'm loose. I'm loose now. And, and it's hard to be loose all the time because as a reporter, there are times when you've got to tell the news and, and tell it straight, right? I mean, a lot of things I've had to report on over the years, you know, uh, Louisville, NCAA infractions, Rick Pitino, the stripper deal. Um, you got to be straight on that. You, you, you can't. I mean, I guess some people can have fun with it, but. Oh, not when you're delivering the news. Right. Not when you're breaking a national story. Exactly. But, but other things, you know, I remember being on and uh, Kevin Naganda is also a a good friend of mine. We do a a fantasy football league every year and he finished in the cellar that year. So I literally brought a plunger onto the the set and handed him a plunger for finishing uh, in the toilet bowl. The, wow. And dead last. So like you, you know, you, you realize at some point you're like, all right, I'm gonna have some fun with this too. And if it backfires, it backfires, but I'm going to have some fun when I can have some fun. Cause that's, I mean, honestly, that's me. And I think a lot of people the first couple of years probably didn't understand that because again, I was trying to play it straight all the time. And a lot of times you've only got 25 seconds to, to answer or to, especially if you're doing sidelines, the toughest guys, sidelines brutal because you, you got 20, 25 seconds. Then they're in your ear saying rap, rap, rap. And you just can't have a lot of fun that way. And you get maybe five seconds of camera time too, before they yep. come to the B roll and you That's know, right. what's going on. I don't mind. I actually don't yeah. mind. Yeah. I've I, I found sideline was the hardest thing for me with that camera in your face, the arena around you, especially if it was loud as shit. Like I remember yeah being at Mackey at Purdue and that's when I realized I only had a um uh, whatever IFB in one ear and people nobody had ever told me like I couldn't hear that well in these loud arenas but um after being at Mackey they said you can get one with two so it that way it like almost gets rid of the um the sound coming in yeah from, from the crowd so uh, but sideline was was by far the most difficult thing I I, I did I mean being on Sports Center was easy because they're asking you questions and they just tell you like, look at, look at whoever, you know, if you're being interviewed by Van Pelt, don't even worry about looking in the camera, which I never did. I just had a conversation. And that's definitely, that's definitely important. And like in not only sports, but in news in general, like people are attracted to the, the personalities that are just natural, loose, you know, you don't want to listen to someone who is directly in front of a teleprompter you can see their eyes reading and that's just not no matter what they're saying your your eyes as a human is just looking at what you're watching and you need someone that is natural and going over the sideline stuff I mean one of the funniest things I really enjoyed with just like sideline reporting in recent days is the XFL how sideline reporters were just like running over to the guys that were getting like absolutely demolished on the sideline be like how do you feel after that hit and it's like that's the locker room at halftime 
Exactly. I mean, that was nuts. I'm yeah. watching it. I'm like, what? I, I mean, that access is almost, it, it's insane. I mean, I could probably get it at certain college basketball programs, uh, but I've never even thought of it. Like the most I've done is, you know, interviewing guys while play is going on. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had that at times where I've been able to interview coaches while play is going on. But even, even that, it, it almost looks, there's a line there that I think you, you, you almost don't want to cross. With the XFL, you can do whatever the hell you want. That's exactly. You. Yeah, of course. Um, quick question before we hop into the rest of this, too. So Kevin DeGondi came in last in that fantasy football league. Who came in first, if you remember? That year I won it. And oh, then, you did? Okay. But then a year later, I think it flipped. So I talked so much trash. <laughs> so much trash. And, and I paid for it because I think a year later – I don't know if I finished last, but I think he won. And wow. So we do it every year. The plunger and, got uh, returned. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I crush him. I crush him. I don't, you know, whatever. Oh my God. Was there, who is like perennially really good at that kind of stuff at ESPN? Is there a couple people that stand out or no? I mean, I only did this one league with, with what was the morning show then with Randy Scott was very good. He was right. very good. Jay Harris was not. Um, <laughs> So those guys were kind of the guys that, that, that did it. And uh, it was a fun group. I mean, listen, again, I miss – there are things I don't miss at all about ESPN, but I miss a lot of the people there. There were a lot, there were a lot of great, great people. Um, I don't miss the um, – it's not even micromanaging because that's probably the wrong word for it. But, you know, like something small will happen and I would have to write a newser on it. Right. Like I'd have to wherever I was, I'd have to deal with writing a quick news story and and do a bunch of those. And now I don't have to worry about any of that. So life is so much um, easier in that sense for me now that I can kind of and that's why I left. I mean, listen, I left so I could have autonomy, do what I want, when I want and how I want. Right. And you went on record, you know, as we were doing a little research of saying, you know, very candidly, like at stadium, you said, quote unquote, I can give my opinion. Right. Yes. Um, you said that Never in 2018, right. And when you jumped ship in 2018, that's clearly what you were expecting, right? Um, number one, would you say that that in your new role is what you can do a lot more of, you know, are your expectations fulfilled that you can put your you know thoughts and two cents into a story? And, and number two, you know, it, the testimonies on ESPN and working there, they're, they're so similar across the board from the people that did jump ship. So I don't know that, that must say something about, you know, what kind of culture was there for better or for worse. Listen, it's, it's still ESPN bottom line. It's still where everybody goes to watch and, and, you know, maybe not as much with the shows as it used to be, but you're watching for games because they've got games on and you're, you know, you're still watching plenty of, of ESPN when you're bored. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it was frustrating to me that I couldn't give my opinion when I, I felt like I had more information than anybody else who was giving their opinion on college basketball. Like I would, I would flip in and see Stephen A. Smith talking about college basketball and giving his opinion. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Right. Like, why are these people that don't follow it all year, all of a sudden giving their opinion about things, but I'm, I'm really not supposed to or allowed to, I just got to deliver the news. Like, no, I want to hear what Woj has to, to say about the NBA. And I don't, I, I, again, I don't think he ever gives his opinion. Why, I mean, look at his, his, some of his stories back when he was at Yahoo. He used to take people to task and give his opinion on things. 
Now he never does it. Adam Schefter rarely gives his opinion. If you, if you watch the news people, they rarely do. And I, I want to hear Adam Schefter's opinion on things because I think he's got more information than most of the other people out there. So, um, yeah, that was part of the reason that it was frustrating. But, again, listen, there were, there were a lot of unbelievable things. Um, you know, that, the last year was tough for me. I mean, being sent to Lithuania to cover the Ball family. Uh, Dan Dockage came after me on the air during one game um, and then they told me to stand down and not cover um, not cover the FBI investigation the NCAA FBI right. investigation so it was a it, it was a few things that were frustrating that year um, but again if you had ever told me when I was younger that I'd have a chance to to be on SportsCenter to you know cover a game as a sideline reporter at Arizona where I went to school cover an Arizona Gonzaga game cover a game at Duke cover a game at North Carolina, you know, on the court doing TV. I would have been like, you're out of your mind. Like, why Why wouldn't that gas up any kid, right? right. Or any, like, even us, we're in our early 20s. Like, that's, <laughs> if you told us we could do something like that now for ESPN, it's like, now. hold the phone. Yeah. No, yeah. even you tell me now, like, I can do that, like, once here. Like, I, again, I didn't love sideline, but, but the rush was still there. Like, walking into Arizona again, where I was a kid going through school and then walking in however many years later and being like, all right, I'm going to be a part of the TV crew on ESPN. <laughs> like, what the hell happened here? Like, how did this, how did this happen? So yeah, that, that, that part again, you, you know, listen, the experience was, was very cool. I think I learned a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they, listen, bottom line is ESPN is always going to be ESPN. Exactly. And you bring up a point, you know, talking about your last year in ESPN, you covered the uh, Ball brothers, LaMelo and LiAngelo, while they were in Lithuania. Um, putting the controversy aside, what were some of the most fascinating things you learned from the Ball family and the Ball brothers and just your experience in Lithuania um, covering that whole story as it unfolded? So I learned that, that LeVar in small doses is great. Great. An hour here, two hours there, fine. 10 days? No, can't do it. Can't. <laughs> you know, the, the crazy part, guys, was how would I, like, we were fine. I think they expected me to be like a PR person for him, right? And, and that's never been me. Now, again, we dealt with him and I dealt with him in kind of small doses many times sit downs, interviews during games, whatever. Um, but we go over there and um, we sit down. Basically, it was morning at breakfast. Uh, what happened was they had set up a different league so that um, uh, LiAngelo and LaMelo could get more playing time because they weren't going to play as much in the EuroLeague, right? They were going to play. They weren't playing much at all. So they basically bought this other league so that they could he bought playing time for them. Um, so Must be nice having LaVar's money. Yeah. He, I mean, the Facebook <laughs> money goes, you know, was strong. So um, – so we're sitting down, we're talking about that. And I asked him about Luke Walton and uh, coaching Lonzo at the time. And there were some issues already early. You could see with Lonzo and, and, and the Lakers. And, and he went off about Luke Walton, went off on him. Recorder right in front of him. And I said, I'm like, LeVar, are you sure you want to do this? Yeah, you know me. I don't care. Bring what you want. <laughs> so I end up printing the story where he kills Luke Walton. And uh, the thing absolutely blows up. And um, it was interesting because that was kind of it for the most part. You know, they felt 
his his manager at that point, guy named Alan Foster, that they're suing now, that was basically um, taking their money, I don't know, embezzling money, whatever, from them. Jesus. Um, he was pissed at me because, you know, I, I went with it or whatever. I don't know what it was all about. Who cares? Um, but what I will say is, is the experience of going over to another country. A lot of people are like, Oh, you got sent, you know, you, you had to go over there. You chose, no, they all some like you chose to go over there. Your choice. I'm like, first of all, I didn't have a choice. If ESPN says we want you to go to Lithuania, you're going to Lithuania. Yeah. You're going to go. <laughs> and to be honest, at that point, again, you're like, well, why wouldn't I want to go to a different country? To, why, why, why wouldn't I? You know, I try to travel as much as I can with my family to Italy, to Spain. I've never been to a country like Lithuania. So I was like, this is going to be cool as shit. And, and it was for the most part. It really was. The hardest part was, you know, you're, you're covering LeVar, so you can't uh, – we stayed at this, like uh, – spa almost in the middle of nowhere and you can't go too far away from Lavar because what happens if, if, if something crazy happens you got to be close enough that if some he says something to somebody else he does something you, you so you can't go to Vilnius was the big city and it was I don't know a couple hours away maybe two hours away so you can't you can't take a trip in for the day to Vilnius because you don't know when you're going to be needed potentially if Lavar does something crazy so I didn't enjoy it quite as much as I would have liked to in terms of seeing the, the whole country, but we saw enough. I mean, we saw, you know, when, when they left, we went to a concentration camp that was nearby, uh, went to the, the bigger cities, Kaunas and, and, and Vilnius and went to a game. And um, so it, I, I thought it was a great experience. I mean, listen, I wouldn't trade it for anything that happened over there. And I haven't talked to LeVar or the two, you know, the two younger kids since I've talked to Lonzo and, uh, and I think, Again, I hope Lamelo's matured. I hope he gets drafted by the right team, mainly Golden State, where he can be tutored by Steph Curry and have a chance to really succeed. Because I, I worry about him in a Cleveland, in a Minnesota, where maybe they don't have a solid enough foundation. But man, if he's tutored by Steph, he's got a good chance. It's a good segue into mock draft 3.0 that you just put out on stadium uh, a couple of days ago i believe we've got all the picks solidified and everything um for those who haven't seen it yet i believe you had lamella one uh wiseman two and then edwards three yep. um so for those who have not looked at this or maybe you know aren't as familiar with the, the field this year what are some of the, the themes that you're seeing in this draft or maybe some of the picks that should surprise uh, NBA fans? I would say, um, again, the number one spot is completely wide open, completely wide open between LaMelo, James Wiseman, and Anthony Edwards, none of which are, are guys that are coveted in that number one spot. Most NBA GMs didn't want any part of, uh, of getting the number one pick, to be honest, because you know, it's a pick that can get you fired down the road. If you, if you choose the wrong guy, oh, yeah. it can really get you fired depending on who you are. So uh, Minnesota, Gerson Rosas is a new GM. So he'll have some leeway at least. Um, I don't think they can take James Wiseman and pair him with Carl, Carl Anthony Towns. I think you're talking about two bigs that are the biggest knock on both is that they're soft. So I don't think you can put them together. So um, I think Minnesota goes Lamella. I really do. I think most people haven't taken Anthony Edwards. There are a lot, a lot, way more red flags with Anthony Edwards from NBA teams than there are LaMelo Ball. Wow. 
Yeah, this draft kind of reminds me of uh, a few years ago when it was Lonzo, Markel Fultz, Fultz, and Jason Tatum, where it's like they all have their upsides and they all have their downsides, but no one really knew who should be picked in what order. And obviously right now, Jason Tatum is the one that is skyrocketing in the Celtics, which obviously you're smiling in the, yeah. smiling in the background because you're, you're a Celtics fan. Like, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan, but I, I live here in Boston, and I've known, to be honest, that Jason Tatum was going to be a star from the first time I saw him. I just – he had that it. He just – I don't know. I, I think, again, I think he's going to be a top five player in the NBA. Uh, in a Unquestionably, couple. yeah. He's got it. He, there's just something about him. He's got it, right? Yep. So – and then we'll, we'll go kind of rapid fire here about just some, some picks that you have in this draft. Um, I got to look at my mock here as we go. Yeah. Well, actually, not, not really picks, I should say, but um, <laughs> Obi Toppin, you had him at number four. Can he slip out of the top five? He could. Sure. Sure. I don't think he will. I think he's the safest of, of, of all these picks. I mean, I'm actually surprised he's not going to be talked about more getting in the top three than he would slipping out of the top five. Because the one thing you get with Obi Toppin, you can get a small ball five man who's super athletic, freak athlete. Um, he's long. He could shoot it now. I mean, not great, but he could shoot it from three. And I think he'll be a capable, you know, shooter from 18 feet. And obviously the big knock on him is defensively. But I think if you put him in the right system, he could be a decent defender. And, and I just think, again, yeah, his ceiling isn't as high as some of these other dudes. But I think his floor is higher than most of them. Who would you say would be the, the diamond in the rough in the draft? Patrick Williams is, is the guy for me. Hmm. And you could actually put both Florida State guys in the conversation, Devin Vassell and, and, and Pat Williams. But I love Pat Williams. He's a man. He can guard multiple positions. He's that multidimensional forward that everybody likes right now. He's so much bigger and stronger than, than a lot of those dudes. Um, so you can throw him in an NBA game right now. Again, he'll guard guys. He'll, his shot will get better because he's a worker, high character. I just think he's like that 10-year NBA starter that may never like, – like could he be Thaddeus Young, something like that, that type of career where he's not a, an all-star – but he's a really good player for a lot of years, and you can get him in this draft maybe, you know, somewhere in that 10 to 15 range. Is Tyrese Halliburton going to fit in with the New York Knicks? I think a lot of people say that he's – that the Knicks need to take him. Um, where does he fit into this big old rebuild? Well, if you're the Knicks, you take the best player available. You don't worry about position. You need so much on that team. Just try to get the guy that you think has a chance to be – you know, uh, uh, I don't think they – listen, somebody's going to come out of this draft and be an NBA All-Star. We don't know who the hell it is. I mean, honestly, this draft, good luck figuring it out right now. But I would say if you're the Knicks and at eight you think somebody fits that bill, don't take Tyrese Halberton because you need a point guard. I think Halberton's a good player, but he's not a great athlete. Uh, his shot mechanics need to change for his release, but he makes them. Um, I think he's just a good point guard. I think what he is is a starting point guard on a non-playoff team or a um, point guard who comes off the bench for a, good, a really good team. 
I wonder if that's what the Knicks will do if they just take him because he's, a, again, a starting point guard for a non-playoff team and then package some guys up and if they find themselves contending, then then accelerate the rebuild Knicks? a little bit. Are you guys Knicks fans? We or identify as Knicks fans, right, unfortunately. So, that's fine. I'll ask you that. I'll throw it back on you. Uh, do you have confidence in Leon Rose and World Wide West? No. No. I don't no. either. But so many people argue with me out there. They think – World Wide West and Leon Rose are going to save the day and get this, you know, franchise back to relevance. I'm no. like, I'm like, what? Well, let, let's first look at who hired. <laughs> That's the thing. That's right? the thing. I mean, the Knicks. Like, is it a bad move to hire these guys? I don't think so. You know, they needed they needed something and they needed yep. the name. And yep. hiring Tibbs as the coach, I I don't hate it. I don't love it. You know, it's one of those things, but. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you rather have like a Ty Lue, and, and Ty might not have taken it, but let's just say for argument's sake, a guy like that that is a player's coach that can attract free agents. Because yeah, yes. Guys don't well, want to play for I thought tip. Fisdale was the answer. So not an answer, but like at least, you know, similar to Ty Lue that, you know, when his time in Miami, everyone's like, oh, I, I love Fizz. I love Fizz. You know, he, he, he's, a, he's a great But you player. need a player. To me, yeah, you yeah. need a former player. Like, Look at Doc Rivers, right? Everybody wants to play for Doc. Why? Part of it is he doesn't even practice. Like, players all know that. Like, he doesn't practice. It's great, you know, playing for Doc. Uh, uh, Ty Lue, similar. He learned from Doc. You know, those former players that are mellow. I mean, there's other guys, too. Brad Stevens has some of that in him, too, where players other than Kyrie love playing for him. And I don't even, you know, include Kyrie because I don't think he likes playing for anybody. I don't, I don't think it matters who he played for. But, but I, yeah, I – I'm with you. Like, Hibbs is fine. He's fine. But are you – ultimately, if you're the Knicks, you have to secure free agents. And is is the combination of Leon Rose and Tibbs and World Wide West going to get Devin Booker to New York or to even – I mean, Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, he's fine. I mean, he's fine as your number two guy. I mean, but he's, he's not a number one guy. We see that. Yeah. So we, we've oh, only Nick. got a couple more. Uh, yeah, I know. It's horrible. <laughs> um, we've got a couple more minutes here, Goodman. So couple, two more questions, and then we'll close out here. Off the top of your head, who is the best athlete that you've ever covered or seen in person? The best athlete I've ever covered or seen in person? I guess you'd have to say LeBron or Zion right now. I mean, one of those two. I saw them both in, you know, all the way up. You know, LeBron from when he was 14 years old all the way till now. I guess I'd probably say LeBron. I'm trying to think of, of a, another sport because I covered a lot of when I was younger, um, covered a lot of baseball and NFL and even hockey. So I've covered a lot of different sports. Um, I, I, I don't think there's a better athlete. I mean, I, trying to think if there's a better athlete on the planet than LeBron or Zion. Probably yeah. not. Exactly. I mean, both are even, you know, you talk about your whole resume and your time, like, you know, traveling in your different organizations, still being able to cover those two players is something that Maybe Bo know, Jackson, Bo yeah, Jackson yeah. might have been up there, guys. You know, Bo Jackson that I mean, I would love to just yeah. see Bo Jackson in person. That, that guy is a, uh, a man amongst men. Uh, when basketball returns this fall, what do you think it'll look like? And what restrictions do you think the league might impose? Uh, for the NBA, we're, we're talking college, actually. College for yeah. next, okay, for this year. Yeah, I, I hope there is college hoops. I mean, I think it's going to depend on college football, to be honest, guys, and whether that goes off and how much of a hitch it goes off with. Um, 
I think for college hoops, they're just kind of waiting and they have a bunch of different plans in place. I talked to Dan Gavitt a couple of weeks ago and, you know, the hope is they'll be, they'll have a tournament. They feel pretty optimistic. Um, I think each league is going to, um, I think you're going to have some teams that play 10 games this year and some teams that play 25. And as Gavitt told me, it's not going to be equitable in terms of who comes into the tournament, you know, like, again, you know, are, are, are they, it, it's just not going to be fair. Uh, at the end of the day, everybody's going to have to realize it's not going to be fair this year. So don't complain. Let's just try to do the best we can to have a college basketball season in some capacity and, and move forward. Please, for the love of God, we need it. <laughs> Jeff Goodman, ladies and gentlemen, from Stadium. This has been great. Uh, Goodman, if you want to tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and engage with your content, now is your time. Uh, at Goodman Hoops. Uh, hopefully it's not too painful. Um, <laughs> and uh, listen, I appreciate you guys having me. Stay safe and uh, keep doing a good job with this. Always a pleasure, Goodman. And uh, we, we appreciate you. Best of luck to you is hopefully you've got something to report on this fall. <laughs> that would be nice. That's the hope. Awesome. Well, take, take it easy, care, guys. Thanks for having me. And that was just Jeff Goodman, uh, like we mentioned, from Stadium, formerly ESPN. After speaking with him, I mean, I am excited for the NBA draft. I'm excited for not only the completion of the NBA season, but college basketball. Let's hope and knock on wood that it happens. You know, maybe they'll adapt the bubble system, too, because – I just want March Madness in 2021. I, <laughs> but I mean, great interview overall, and the guy is full of knowledge. So we were very lucky to have him on. Yeah, we need a uh, we need a Big East bubble. That's what we need. Yes, we need a Big East pod of some sort. And I <laughs> sign me up to do the fucking public address there. Sign me up. I'll pack my shit up and work from wherever I need to be. <laughs> like that would bring be it, so. Bring sick. it to Providence. Oh my God! Imagine if they did an alumni hall in Providence. That'd be sick. No one would. No one would come. It's the farthest East team in the Big East. No one's going to Providence. I wish. I wish. I don't know. Um, positivity Corner. We plugged Taco Bell before in this episode, weirdly enough, and we've got more Taco Bell for you in Positivity Corner of all places. Yeah, so though Taco Bell took away the quesarudo from the menu, uh, which, <laughs> is not so, which is not so Positivity Corner. Um, down in Clarksville, Tennessee, uh, Sonja Frazier, a Taco Bell employee, is being praised for saving a man's life after he passed out and was unresponsive in the drive-thru. So she was working. She noticed that the drive-thru was at a dead stop. People were honking. People were flipping out. And the, one of the managers looked on the camera and saw the car, the car was parked in the wrong way and it started to roll and was blocking. So... Uh, Sonja ran out and saw that the man was leaved over in the driver's seat and unresponsive. So she rushed over, called the ambulance, uh, was trying to assist the man, and uh, started performing CPR as they were waiting for the ambulance, um, which, which is crazy enough. You know, you would think that back then, anyone, if you know, this is happening you know, right away, you're saying, okay, I need to perform CPR, but we're living in an age of COVID where, you know, do you really want to put your mouth, perform mouth to mouth on somebody? Yeah. Which is like, I mean, crazy enough, like, obviously, like, in an act of service like this, you know, you're just trying to rescue the person, but 
with everything going on, she risked her own life because she could receive COVID and, you know, she could have lost her financial means if she got sick, but no matter, you know, she, she performed the CPR and once he, and got him, got him uh, stable and the ambulance arrived and brought him and then he is recovering in the hospital. So I mean, cheers life is, Taco Bell that. saves another life. Who would have thought? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that, that's an awesome story. And we want to obviously highlight that as well. Taco Bell. I don't know. When's the last time you've had Taco Bell? It's probably been a few years for me. Not a few years. Year and a half max. Probably a year and a half. I, yeah. We were still in school a year and a half ago. So yeah, probably a year and a half. I'm going to go get a quesadilla. Uh, well, not a quesadilla. <laughs> Crunchy gordita. Yeah, you can't get a quesarito now. God forbid you start. God. Um, great story, though. I mean, it's – I guess the reason why we do this is because this was your idea, and it was um, – there's so much stupid negative crap in the world right now. And if we can – we say this, you know, jokingly. We, we throw some jokes in there every now and then, but, I mean, it's the – at the end of the day – you have to find like just small moments of positivity in places where yeah, you don't have it. Right. Who would have thought like the reason why we're laughing about like a Taco Bell is because it's who would have thought that this happens at a Taco Bell, right? Who would have thought a man's life gets saved at a Taco Bell? Yeah. So it's all good stuff all around. Um, that is our show folks. That was episode 19. We thank you dearly. Um, couple of housekeeping items here. Go to dugoutcreative.com, folks. It is incredible stuff i still haven't bought anything i'm gonna buy some cub stuff probably soon um and use the code bbb pod for literally free money we're handing you money 15 percent off your purchase um go buy yourself a jersey buy yourself a shirt whatever buy it buy a hat we're getting close to the season of you know october november there's not only gonna be baseball playoffs but you're gonna have to go out with your shitty haircut because you're too lazy to go to you know, a barber and throw a hat on. So go buy a hat. You have no excuse. Right. I mean, there's awesome. I mean, I'm wearing the Bronx shirt right now because you know, I'm a Yankee fan, but there's other shirts out there that I'm going to pick up too. I mean, they have the mile high uh, shirts inspired by the Rockies. Yeah, for the rocks. Um, the tribe ones for the Indian is for the Indians are pretty cool. They're like, the, uh, you were mentioning the Chicago stuff. I think those are very sleek. So there's a lot of, awesome gear and they're making them for all 32 teams obviously they're throwing in different stuff too they just created the um, uh, Fernando Tatis inspired shirt uh, who is right now the face of baseball so check out their gear I mean they have some great stuff it's comfortable it's soft uh, it fits pretty well to your size so definitely check them out use the code bbbpod to get that 15% off it's free money it's there's like $32 shirts you get it down under 30 bucks who cares write it off Go and write it off and say you made a charitable donation. <laughs> We're not, don't do that. I'm kidding. Um, what else we got? Blog, uh, a lot of blog stuff. We're, you know, after um, lots of controversy, I think we've got some views, which is nice. We've got, we, well, I mean, we've always had the views. We just did a little bit better after that. We got a little bit more uh, page views and some loyal uh, viewers of our stuff. Head over to it, house-enterprise.com slash the dash blog i got it 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 usually takes me weeks to get the reads right um (laughs) when we get to this part 
You know where to find us on social. Um, you can download us, Spotify and Anchor. But that's it. That's our show. Episode 20. Hopefully we will have our guest that was scheduled for episode 19. We move some things around. Um, so stay tuned. But if not, we'll have something for you at the very least. That will do it. I'm Will. Or I, I, I just say I'm Will. There it is. There it <laughs> Dude, is. I fuck this part up every single time. I am Jake. That's Tondo. That's, Take it easy. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, folks. <laughs> Thank you.